0: This is Ibarian and welcome to The Candid Frame. This episode of The Candid Frame is brought to you by Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME. I never cease to be amazed how photography has the power to introduce me to worlds that I could never have imagined. Those pictures can transport me to places that I'll likely never have the opportunity to discover or explore, but they can also reveal remarkable things that are in my own backyard. I'm especially interested when photography reveals other people's lives and work. And that's no less the case with today's guest, Jake Neese, whose work as a wildlife firefighter fascinates me, especially when I have the chance to experience his work through the eyes of his camera. The work is challenging, both physically and psychologically, and Jake captures so much of that in the photographs that he's captured while working in the midst of combating a fire. We started by talking about how he transitioned from a career in engineering into
1: firefighting. Uh, well, I, I actually wouldn't say that I'm in engineering anymore. Uh, I did start out that way. went to went to college and and worked as an engineer for a little while, and uh, uh, eventually decided that I wasn't wasn't happy with that route, and made made an assessment of of what I really valued in life, and decided that I wanted to to make a change, and. Uh, tried out a couple things and eventually found myself fighting wildfire in the summer and uh, then living and working at ski areas in the winter.
0: So how do you find your way into fighting wildfires? Is it a volunteer thing or, or do you have to go through this process?
1: It is a process and I didn't know it at the time. So i was uh, I was searching for any kind of job that would allow me to work seasonally in the summer and make a decent amount of money. And I started working on a trail crew and, uh, that was, that was great work, but not very, not a good amount of money to, uh, to make it through the winter. And so from trail crew, I learned about wildland firefighting, uh, and it piqued my interest. I did a little more research and uh, applied the next season and was able to get a job on an engine and uh, this is my fifth season fighting fire now and I've just been running with it ever since.
0: So what's the kind of, What's involved in the training to, to become that?
1: Well you start out with uh, a couple of classes, they're classroom classes and uh, they give you the basics about fire behavior, Uh, basic tactics on how wildfire is fought Uh, some of the classes there's a specific chainsaw class specific pumps classes and you take those as you get experience but you start out uh, taking taking just the basic classes and then most of the training really is on the job experience you get on with a crew with more experienced people and uh, and you really do have to just learn on the job because you can only learn so much about a wildfire in the classroom. So what what
0: would be an example of that? What did you find, um, what did you discover? What was surprising to you once you were out there working in the field that you never could have learned in the classroom?
1: Uh, The physical demands, that's a big one. Um, You know, you might, before you start fighting fire, you might think you're uh, a good hiker or kind of tough. But once you actually get out there and you're working in the heat, so you're digging line, you're hiking long distances, carrying heavy packs, um, you learn you learn to toughen up. Uh, the other thing you can really only learn on the job is how to be cool under pressure. Uh, a lot, most of the time, fighting wildfire isn't isn't exciting. People have you know, an image of you know spraying hose or holding your, uh, fire hose and spraying water on fire, fire in your face all the time. But it's really not like that. Most of the time you're, you're digging in the dirt, uh, you're mopping up, uh, you're, you're pumping water or you're hiking and m- only maybe 1% of the time is it very exciting. Um, but during those times, um, you do have to learn to be cool under pressure and, rely on your training and really rely on the rest of your team uh, to make good group decisions. Can you tell me what what makes up a
0: crew? Because, you know, I've seen the the men and women out there, you know, doing the work that you do, but I never had an idea in terms of what what a group consists of and what the various roles are.
1: There are a lot of different kinds of groups in uh, wildland firefighting. First, I should probably make the distinction between wildland firefighting and structure firefighting. Uh, they're two very different worlds. So the structure firefighters are the guys who roll around in the, the ladder trucks, and they work on structure fires in cities, uh, putting out houses and buildings. And wildland firefighting is is a completely separate world, really. There are some guys who do both, but they're really different worlds. Um, so that's the biggest distinction. But then in wildland firefighting, you've got engine crews, you've got hand crews, You've got smoke jumpers, heli repellers, and in each of those groups there are more more distinctions. You've got different kinds of fire engines. You've got different kinds of hand crews. You've got your Type 2 hand crew and then your Type 1 hand crew, which is also known as a hot shot crew. Uh, you've got smoke jumpers, which are kind of the the elite. Uh, they're like the Navy seals of firefighting, so it's uh, it's tough to get into that group, but they're good firefighters and then you've got heli repellers who are kind of in that same class as jumpers, kind of a more specialized thing. Uh,
0: can you tell me about your, your birth, your first big uh, firefight that you had? Can you tell me a little bit about what that experience was like?
1: Okay. The, uh, well, the first fire I fought was was only a couple of acres. It wasn't very big. Um, it felt very intimidating because it was my first time coming up on on a wildfire and, up until that point, you know, I'd only dealt with fires and camp rings and anything getting out of that is a problem. And then just seeing it burn freely through the woods uh, was just it's just a different experience that it takes some time to get used to seeing that on those larger fires. Uh, when they really get up and run and they're ripping and you've got, you know, 100, 200 foot flame lengths from trees burning, w- people aren't really in there. Uh, when they're, they're really getting up and going, we get out of the way because you can't, you can't do anything with a hand tool and a chainsaw when whole trees are going up. Uh, so when it gets that big and that intense, we, we have to back off. We have to let the winds die down. The weather has to line up and cooperate before we can actually send people in there. And when those fires are really big and ripping and roaring and hot, uh, really they'll only put air resources in there doing retardant drops and uh and if there are no values at risk like houses or other kinds of uh structures then then we'll have to just let it go until it cools off enough that we can actually get in there.
0: So when did you start thinking about making photographs of your experiences?
1: I'd uh I've kinda I've always been a, a hobbyist, uh a hobbyist photographer and so out on, out on fires, I started just casually snapping pictures. And as I started getting more experience and seeing more fire activity, uh, it just seemed that it was, it was so ripe for photography. Uh, and just some of the things we we're seeing are otherworldly and unreal and scary, but beautiful as well. And... After I was, would come home from a fire, I would sometimes look up news reports and see the kinds of pictures uh, that went with the news reports of the fires that I'd been on. And, uh, and I, I look at it and I'm like, I realize that the reporters didn't have any kind of access. They're shooting with telephoto lenses or they might, get, they might be allowed in, into the fire line when crews are mopping up and fire activities cooled off. And uh, and I just realized that, um, well, I just wanted to to kind of capture some of that that scary beauty that uh, that wildfires create. And so I started, I think, uh, fighting wildfire and being there gave me the kind of the kick in the butt to um, start becoming a better photographer and, uh, and so I started taking, taking more and more pictures when I could, um, of, of, of the fire. What was the
0: challenge that you faced in, in being able to make pictures that adequately captured what you were experiencing out there in the field? That wasn't just a, um, a snapshot that documented it, but that somehow captured, you know, what it felt like to be in the midst of, of of that conflict kind of conflagration.
1: Well, the biggest challenge is um is is that I'm you've got to be a firefighter first. So I really do I miss more shots than I get. Uh, because I'm I'm not out there to be a photographer, I'm out there to be a firefighter and that's first and foremost, you've got to watch your own back, you've got to watch your crew's back and uh just have Good situational awareness and know what's going on around you and um, you know if you're digging line or running hose or uh, doing your job there's no way you can you can be taking pictures so uh, that's that's the biggest the biggest challenge to um, to taking pictures out there is that it's not really my job to be taking pictures. Uh, I squeeze them in when we've got a spare moment, say we're taking a water break or a lunch break, or, you know, I'm doing something, I'm messing with the truck with one hand and I can pull out my camera with the other hand. And, um, a lot of those shots are, are quick and furtive and, uh, trying not to be too conspicuous, uh, because I know picture taking isn't always smiled upon in the fire community. Uh, A lot of times when you take pictures of people, they'll give you the middle finger so that the picture doesn't really turn out so well. Um, And you don't really have time to compose a shot always. So, uh, you know, I've got my, uh, I've got a little point and shoot on my hip. um, And that's, that's what I use a lot of times. And I just pull it out, snap a few shots, don't even look at them, put it back in and keep on going. So I don't get I don't get the chance to compose the shots like I'd like to. There are a lot of times where I wish I could move around and keep shooting a scene and get some different angles on it, but that's just not possible most of the time. Luckily, wildfire is is so ripe for um beautiful photos that even just doing those quick, quick shots. Uh, results in something great. Tell
0: me about that, because the, the smoke, the fire, it, it does something to the atmosphere, and, and as a result to the light and to the color. Um, what were some of the things that you discovered and, and that you have found that really make for for interesting photographs?
1: Well, the smoke, You're, I mean, you're right about everything. Uh, the light completely changes. I mean, I've been in smoke so heavy that at 2 in the afternoon – it, it seemed like night we were using the headlights. Uh, so heavy smoke can completely block out all the light. Um, and sometimes if you're behind a large smoke column and you've got the sun shining through it, it turns everything this sickly, scary color of orange. Um, and this, sometimes when you've got big columns going, the, the texture of it is indescribable. Uh, it's, it's just, it's moving and, and changing texture and the light is constantly changing and it's, it's hard to describe with words. Um, you, I just, I just shoot it and see what comes out. And, uh, I don't, it's, it's hard to plan for anything because, you know, you, you don't have, uh, you, you can't say, Oh, I know that the, the sun's going down at seven thirty So I should be shooting at this time with golden light. Uh, you just have to be there, and and when it happens, you have to be able to to pull out your camera, snap a few shots, and uh, and continue on.
0: Uh, what are some of the technical challenges in terms of the photography? Are, are you de- you know uh, with the smoke, obviously you're dealing with um, varying degrees of the quantity of light. But are there other considerations that you have to make in order to be able to to pull off uh, uh, an image that that you know will work?
1: A lot of it is luck, but uh, it's also being able to get your camera in and out really fast. Um, I'll carry my SLR when I'm on a truck, if I can. Uh, but a lot of times, we're away from the truck. Last year, I worked on a hotshot crew, so uh, we were never with the truck. So I carry a, um, um, a Sony RX100, which I've really been liking. Uh, and so I carry that in a little holster right on my hip. Um, The technical challenge is keeping the lens clean uh, because we're in dirt and smoke and we get really filthy. Uh, So keeping the camera clean, keeping it working, uh, having enough batteries if you're out and away for multiple days at a time. Also what i've done is i i have a few presets so i've i have realized that there are a few different kinds of lights that you might normally see say you're in smoke or maybe you're in a really muted like midday muted light with when there's smoke just generally in the air and uh, you don't have a lot of contrast and so i've been able to dial in a few special settings and save those in the camera and uh so I can just flip to those presets uh, when I need to change settings fast because I don't always have time to, to sit and play with the aperture and exposure. Uh, so I, I'll flip between my presets, take a few shots, slip that camera right back in the holster and keep going.
0: How would you say your photography has changed over the years since you started doing this kind of work?
1: Well, mostly it's changed from casual snapshots without much thought to um hopefully a better image quality and uh better editing on those photos do you do much
0: post with uh with the images that you go
1: i uh well a few years ago you know i was making the the classic mistakes of of pumping up saturation and and doing that kind of thing and i've realized i've you know i look back on those and uh and re-edit a lot of those photos i do do uh, some post, but now I, I mostly just try to adjust my whites and blacks, um, and I try to do as little as possible but but I do have to touch it up because a lot of times i don 't have the perfect exposure when i 'm just running and gunning.
0: One of the things you mentioned earlier is that sometimes photography is frowned upon. What, what was the initial reaction of your fellow fire firefighters to you having a, a camera and documenting uh, the process?
1: Well oh, people uh, when you when you pull out your camera, especially if you pull out an SLR, you start getting looks um, because uh, that's just not really a part of the culture and uh, But once you start working with your crew, and I found that once they see the pictures, uh, their attitudes change a little bit. Uh, it, it helps to take pictures of your guys and give them, give them cool pictures of themselves that they can use for Facebook profile pictures. That's kind of a, a nice bribe because even though it's not in the culture to be taking pictures and doing really anything but firefighting, um, I think most people realize, or they see the strange beauty in wildfire and, uh, and they like seeing that after the fact. They, you know, it, it creates memories for people uh, who wouldn't, who really aren't out there taking pictures. But we all have these strong memories and and visions of these fires that we've been on. And when people look back and see those pictures of the fires that they were on and and those places that they recognize, um, I've I've gotten a, re- a pretty positive response from almost all firefighters. And and yeah, it, it helps to take pictures of of your crew and other people in order to uh, bribe them into being OK with you pulling out a camera or taking pictures of them.
0: Yeah, I really like the portraits that you capture along with the images of the firefighting. There, They're really quite quite striking. Um, in in a general sense, what do you think it takes to be this kind of firefighter to do this kind of work?
1: it's hard to, to classify what kind of person is, is in wildfire. Um, you get people from all different kinds of walks of life. Uh, there are a lot of people from rural areas. Uh, you get kind of the the farm boy type, uh, someone with a strong back is important. Uh, you do have to be, you have to have a, a certain physicalness cause it's, it's hard. Um, uh, but you get people from all walks of life. Um, a lot of people use it as an introduction to fire. Some people uh, are more interested in forestry and uh, becoming forest managers and uh, moving up in the Forest Service or BLM or State Park Service. There are all kinds of agencies involved in firefighting. Um, some people are do it uh, are college students uh, and they do it on their summer breaks. Uh, Some people like me come out of the clear blue sky uh, with an engineering degree and uh, decide that they just want to be outside more. Uh, So it's hard to say what kind of person is in wildfire.
0: And now I'd like to take the time to thank our sponsor. Though there are no shortage of photo sharing sites and apps available for us to use as photographers, there is nothing like having your own customized website. That's because when you have a website, you are in full control of the viewing experience. You not only get to choose which images you want to showcase, but you can also control how people navigate the site, the color scheme, the font, and even how they can choose to contact you. Having your own website means you have complete control over how people discover and see your work. And Squarespace provides an easy and powerful way for you to create something that is unique to you. Using its easy-to-customize templates and designs, it's remarkable what you'll be able to achieve in just a short matter of time. Find out for yourself by taking advantage of their 14-day free trial. You don't need a credit card. Just create an account and go for it. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CANDIDFRAME to get 10% off and to show your support for the show. Squarespace, it's everything you need to create an exceptional website. Have you had any close calls doing this kind of work?
1: Okay, so I wouldn't really say that I've had any close calls. Again, um, a lot of people have the image of, you know, running running from fire and having flames in your face all the time. It's really not the reality. Uh, the biggest close calls have been from snags and falling trees, just fire weekends, dead trees that'll fall without warning. Uh, when you have your head down, you're digging line, or you're running a chainsaw and you can't hear what's going on around you. And that's why you've got to watch out or watch out for uh, the rest of your crew and, and rely on them to have your back as well. Um, so I can't say I've had any any real close calls other than just falling trees and that's always something to be aware of. Yeah. Well you do
0: um, um, just more than just photograph wildfires. I, I see that you're pretty active during the winter season as well. Um, tell, tell us about shooting during that time and what, and what kind of work are you doing then?
1: Uh, that's right so in in the fall once fire season is over I work for I've worked for a few different ski areas making snow uh, so they they have their snowmaking systems and and that runs in the fall through usually early January and uh, and that was a big part of of why I started working wildfire is essentially when I started I I wanted to spend a season as a ski bum so I wanted enough wanted to make enough money in the summer to to be able to travel the country and uh, do a lot of snowboarding and so uh, I of course take my camera with me when I'm doing all of that and i've you know i'll shoot the uh shoot the free ride competitions and uh do a little work for the the ski area when i can and uh and and so that's that's what i do in the winter
0: so tell me about the kind of photography and how different is that you know when you're shooting out during the winter or you're shooting some of the action sports that you've seen uh, on your website
1: when uh when fire season ends in the in the early fall i uh, I, I make snow and I've been, I've worked for several ski areas across the country, uh, mostly in Colorado. And, uh, and so I, I, I work, m- working those, uh, making systems. And so we work in the fall into early January. And, uh, so of course I, I've got my camera with me there and, uh, I shoot, uh, some of the free ride competitions, the extreme skiing, and uh, do a little photo work for the ski area here and there, uh, and and just try to pick up freelance work wherever I can in the winter. But uh, one of the one of my original reasons for wanting to start Wildfire was uh, so that I could make enough money to 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 ski bum it a little bit in the winter and uh, travel around the country and and enjoy enjoy the powder. So
0: how did you find that you you could market your work? Because uh, you know you were going out there and you had some unique opportunities in terms of image making, but was it a challenge in terms of trying to discover where you could actually place these images so that you could actually earn an income from your from your photography
1: well uh that's an ongoing challenge i can't say well i i can't say that I really earn any income from the fire pictures or from a little bit from the snow making pictures i've been able to to shoot for one uh snow gun company uh on contract but um i that's i can't i can't quit my day job so i'm still i'm i'm still seeking outlets for for that work
0: so how did you get the how did the exposure happen because i know that you were written up in several blogs and your work was exhibited uh, on the uh, national geographic website how how'd that all come about
1: well uh i it was uh just one of those user entry things uh, for national geographic they they put out a, a hashtag challenge which was wildfire 2014 and so um, I threw a couple images at that and uh, and they liked them and uh, I actually did a a couple of interviews with me and and did a write up on some of my photos uh, and then a few other blogs picked picked those up from the National Geographic feature and uh and that's been about it uh but I haven't um <clears throat> there hasn't been 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 anything other than that really
0: what was the response that you got from the people that you work with when they saw the the that your images are being showcased in those in those in different venues
1: uh they got a kick out of it um I'd, I'd shown them all the pictures before uh before they they went on the internet and uh the people who's who are featured prominently of course got their permission and uh they liked the pictures and you know they wanted copies of them and I have other pictures of them that i haven't put online that they've been able to use personally again just um, part of the part of the give and take and uh convincing people to to let me take pictures really. Um, but they they get a kick out of it, and I, I think people liked it uh, because they they recognize uh, kind of how neat it is out there and and some of the the crazy things that we get to see so I think they liked it
0: What are some of the uh, different challenges that you face when you 're shooting during the winter as opposed to when you 're shooting during the summer months in you midst of you know the heat and the smoke is there you know, what are the what are the difference between shooting and those different types of environments.
1: Uh in the winter, I try to it's you know battery issues, keeping your batteries warm, having enough batteries, um, and then making sure not to put my gear through any big temperature extremes. So when I'm out making snow, we're on snowmobiles all the time. So I've got a Pelican case that I've that I attach to my snowmobile and I keep keep all my cameras out there so that the the camera and the lenses they stay Cold because you know, sometimes we're working in zero degree temperatures, uh, so the cameras stay cold, but then I take the batteries with me I keep them on inside warm pockets, and then as my batteries die and get cold i'll uh, I'll just swap out fresh ones uh, also <clears throat> just working in the snow uh, keeping the keeping the fronts of the lenses clean and um, and trying to keep them from fogging I've learned to You hold your breath when you're taking pictures because you'll breathe and then your breath fogs up on the lens and and you ruin the shot. Uh, Those are are the biggest things. Making sure not to drop your camera in the snow and lose it forever. Uh, Yeah, that would be – those are the big things there.
0: Have you found that the fact that you had such little time to make images when you're working as a firefighter sort of helped you refine your eye and your ability – your abilities as a photographer when you had more, you know, the luxury of more
1: time and uh, uh to to make your photographs. Definitely. Definitely. Also. Uh yeah, having that having that time crunch, uh it it's it made me think about where my settings need to be. Um, you know, like I said, I had have, have those few presets that I'll switch to, and so I really put a lot of thought into those and um so just being able to judge the light quickly and, and make those changes uh, when I'm not under pressure is is a real luxury. So, uh, um, I mean, action sports photography is real fast-paced as well. So you've got to be able to, to, to get the right exposure and, and change your settings quickly. So that's, that has helped me a lot.
0: When you're working in the, in, in the field um, for, for the wildfires, how long are you actually out there? You said you could, it can vary. What's the longest time that you've been been out there, for example?
1: Uh, 14 days. Uh, you can be extended to 21 days, but I haven't been on any of those extensions. Uh, so um, when I, when I work here in my own district, uh, usually we're just going out for one operational period, which is one day, uh, maybe a couple days if a fire gets larger. But then when you get uh, – the the way it works is you work at home and then – when um, when your agency decides that fire danger isn't so high, wherever you're working at home, they put you up on a national roster and you're available to go out to f- large fires anywhere in the country. So on those larger fires, the standard assignment is 14 days at a time. Mm. And uh, after a 14-day roll, as we call it, uh, you get a required two days off. And uh, then after that, you can be sent right back out uh, on an engine, on a, uh, a fire department engine, which is uh, where I've done most of my work, you don't, uh, you don't go out uh, nearly as often. But last year when I was working on a hotshot crew, uh, we, were, we spent the second half of the summer working 14 days and two days off and then 14 days, two days off and just doing 14s and twos for, for a couple few months.
0: That, I can only imagine how exhausting that must be uh, must be it's, i guess that your, your training is really important then to, to helping you stay stay focused so you don't make any mistakes that put you or and your crew at risk
1: absolutely uh you know towards the end of the season in September or even when you go into october you just you're exhausted and two days is never enough, and then you're going right back out the door and uh, yeah, it's important to stay to stay focused and and not let that not let that get a hold of you. That is a factor. Uh, it's just that ex- exhaustion, but um, you just have to learn to to work through it and be tough and uh, try to keep your mind sharp even though you're tired.
0: Do you find that you're, you're you're less prone to make photographs when you're feeling that way, or do you feel like it's important to to make photographs despite how you may be feeling at, the, at a given moment?
1: No, I think, uh, really shooting is, is uh, a thing that brings me a source of energy. A lot of guys, a lot of firefighters chew on the fire line and that kind of gives them a little, you know, a little buzz or energy boost. Uh, I am one of the few firefighters who, uh, who doesn't chew, but, uh, pulling my camera out and potentially getting a good shot is, is that thing that, it helps elevate me and keeps my morale up. Uh so when I, you know, when I feel uh when I feel tired or frustrated or sometimes you just get angry because you're you think you're doing something that's not worth it. Uh you know, I can just pull my head up and look around and, and look for a good shot and then I can think about that instead of the immediate task at hand, I can stop thinking about how much my back hurts or how tired I am, or you know how dull my tool is, and how many roots I have to cut through uh, i can I can escape into thinking about composing a shot
0: you said before that because your your firefighting comes first, you've missed a lot of shots, so is there a shot that you've witnessed but you didn't take that you're hoping that in some future point you'd be able to capture do you have something like that uh, in mind
1: I've got countless countless memories of shots I would have loved to have taken uh, usually when it's it's those times when fire activity is intense and you're you're dedicating a hundred percent of of what you've got to to either fighting the fire or staying safe or watching your buddies I can think think of just countless countless times where i've i look back on it and i'm like wow that would have been a really really amazing shot a bunch of amazing shots to get in there but there's no way i i wasn't even thinking about pulling out my camera there there are too many to count
0: you know there's a one great shot there's a portrait uh, of a fellow fi- fighter a firefighter taking a smoke break in the midst of uh... Uh, uh, fire. Can, can you tell us the story behind that image? I think it's just a great, great photograph because he looks, you know, worn out, exhausted, and then he is just taking a token in the midst of all that.
1: Yeah, I know exactly which one you're talking about. Uh, I was, I, in, I enjoyed the irony of it, um, of smoking in the middle of a fire. Uh, yeah, we were taking a lunch break. Um, I think that must have been on day twelve or thirteen. Uh, so we were all, we we're towards the end of a roll, all pretty tired. Uh, if I recall correctly, it was, it was one of the more difficult assignments and, uh, we'd been making a big push and, uh, a lot of times your supervisor says, okay, just, just two more chains and a chain is, is, uh, 66 feet. It's kind of an archaic unit of measurement that we use in firefighting. And, and the joke is two more chains, two more chains. And, uh, you just keep digging line, you know, you're supposed to have a lunch at midday sometimes and then there it is five o'clock and you haven't stopped yet mm. and so it was one of those kinds of days it was later in the afternoon and we finally did get to stop and we were eating and you know you you find a steep hill and find some precarious little outpost to to hunker down on and you pull open your pack and eat your sack lunch and you eat your gross government-issued sandwich so we were all just sitting around we were really dirty and so while the other guys were smoking and, and having that little pleasure, I was taking my pleasure of uh, of shooting, and um, it was a uh, it was a good a good session for me. And I was just shooting portraits, and, and I got a, a couple pretty good ones out of that. So I remember that time very very distinctly.
0: Yeah, you got produced some amazing photographs. I mean, it's just just fantastic stuff. Well, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that photographer be and
1: why? Well, I would say that photographer would be Jerry Dodrill for me. I was lucky enough to take one of his classes this spring. And uh, it was a real shot in the arm for me just in terms of... Uh, helping me step up in uh, in a few things that I've I've been struggling with, uh, but also just the 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 energy and enthusiasm that that he brought to the class and that he he continues to bring to his group of people that he's brought together through his photography classes. Uh, Jerry does uh, landscape photography, and he was also one of the photographers shooting on the Dawn Wall uh, when when uh, the two guys were making their uh, historic ascent. Um, this winter. And so his work is, has been pretty inspirational to me, and it's been good to be able to talk with him and, and get some guidance from him. So cool. uh, he's a person I really admire.
0: And where can people go to find out more about you and, and your work?
1: Uh, my website at jakeneese.com. I'm also active on Instagram at JakeNeese nice, and my Facebook page, Jake nice Photography. Well,
0: Jake, thanks for making the time for me this morning. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for joining us for another episode and for spreading the word. You can show your support for the show by contributing any amount via PayPal, whether it's twenty dollars, fifty dollars, or more. Your donations continue to help us to improve the quality of the program. And you can find a convenient link on the website or in the show notes. The show is edited by Martin Taylor, who you can find at TheOtherMartinTaylor.com. Our music is from Kevin MacLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at Incompetech.com. The Candid Frame is a member of the TWIP Network. Discover more great photography podcasts, such as This Week in Photography, Street Focus, All About the Gear, and more by visiting TWIP.com. Dot com. And this is ebody and X, and this is The Candid Frame.